Good morning, everyone. Uh, greetings on the Lord's Day. Um, I, I hope along with all of you are very much looking forward to being together again uh, sooner rather than later. Until then, I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to worship together um, while apart. Um, we're in week uh, number five in our series, um, Our Only Comfort. I hope uh, it is serving to orient us to and anchoring us and anchor us in God's Word. If you don't already have a Bible out, please get one. Um, and also, if you have your copy of Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one, that would be great. Um, as we begin, let's go to the Lord and ask His blessing. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, this is the day that you have made, and we rejoice and are glad in it. Father, we thank you that uh, you have made us, and that in Christ you have remade us, and are remaking us. Father, would you be pleased uh, through your word and by your spirit to change us more and more into the image of Jesus, our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom alone is their comfort in life and in death. For we pray in his name. Amen. Question one, of course, ask, what is your only comfort in life and in death? What is your only security? What is your only confidence? Um, this is, uh, I think, as we've been saying, the most important question that's being asked and answered these days in one way or another. Maybe not in those exact words, but that is the, the sentiment um, underneath uh, many questions about what's going on in and around us. And in organizing and summarizing the teaching of God's Word, uh, the Heidelberg Catechism, I believe, provides a clear answer to, the, to that question uh, about our only comfort in life and death that is both concise and comprehensive. Uh, let's listen again uh, to these words, and we'll spend uh, a few minutes uh, uh, um, dwelling on in one particular statement. But what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. We've been saying for the past few weeks that we need to take this answer personally. It's that I am not my own. But we also need to take this answer corporately, that we are not our own. This question, or excuse me, this answer, uh, question and answer, can really be summarized uh, in nine words. What is your only comfort? I belong to Jesus. But, but as we've been saying, more needs to be said and indeed is said. You see, Heidelberg Catechism question and answer one gives us a few more words about Jesus. First, it describes him as my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Right then and there, we see aspects of the person and work of Jesus. He is faithful. He will not, he, he cannot um, uh, uh, fail to keep his promises. He is faithful, but he also saves 
fully and finally. We see in this answer what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus continues to do for us. What has he already done? We've already read he's fully paid for all of our sins. He has set us free from the tyranny of the devil. But what does Jesus continue to do? We read, he also watches over me. He also, in addition, not only has he paid for us, not only has he set us free, but he watches over us. In other words, because we belong to Jesus, and and it's only because we belong to Jesus that he watches over us personally. Now, while we have every reason to be confident and assured, I think we all may still have a few questions. Questions like this, what about today? Does God know my present circumstances? Does he care? Can God finish what he has started? Can God protect what he has purchased? Well, the answer that is given says, yes, absolutely, and most certainly. So for the next few minutes, we're going to explore this absolute and certain yes. The language of the catechism in this statement, he also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven is going to take us to a few places in Scripture where we're going to first think about our hair, and then we're going to think about sheep. First, let's think about the hairs on our head. If you would, take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I want us to read verses 29 through 31 of Matthew Chapter 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Well, the language of the catechism speaking about not a hair can fall from my head, it takes us to this passage in Matthew. And in a few minutes, we'll also see a very similar passage in Luke chapter 12. But first, let's have our eyes on Matthew 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Well, in that day, in the, in the first century, sparrows were customarily thought of as the smallest of creatures. Now, of course, They're not the smallest of creatures, but they were representative of something small and insignificant. And speaking of small and insignificant, the penny was was one of the least valuable of Roman coins. So right there in the statement, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, our attention is drawn to the small, to the insignificant for what some would say are not valuable things. And we continue to read, and not one of them, that is, 
not one sparrow will fall to the ground apart from your father, apart from your father. Jesus is teaching that God is sovereign, not only sovereign over all, not only in the big things, but actually sovereign even in the most insignificant of all events. Think with me that a sparrow, a small bird that falls to the ground, not apart from, it's not said there, but it's implied there, from the will of your father, the desire of your father. God is sovereign, not only over the great and large, but over the small, even insignificant event of a sparrow falling to the ground. And not only that, but he makes the statement, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. In other words, God not only knows about the sparrow and orders the flight, as it were, of the sparrow, but God numbers the individual hairs on not an insignificant creature, but rather the high point of his creation. Man, male and female, created in the image of God, God numbers, God knows. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Since the Heavenly Father gives constant sovereign supervision to seemingly insignificant creatures like sparrows, who what? Are sold for a penny? Surely, he will care for his people, the most significant of his creation. Now, I want to go right now to Luke chapter 12 and look at verses 6 and 7 because here is the identical scene, but of course written first from Matthew's perspective and now from Luke's perspective. And so there's going to be a little bit of details off, but the overall thrust is the same. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? We read in chapter 12, verse 6. And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why? Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Now again, the observations about sparrows and the hairs of your head show God's providential care over the smallest details of life, like what is happening in your life, in my life today. And again, we hear this, you are of more value. It, it signals here the, the lesser to the greater argument. If A, the lesser is true, then how much more B, the greater, must also be true. That is, if God cares even about sparrows, how much greater is his care for every one of his own children whose value is so much greater? If God cares for the lesser sparrow, will he not also care for those things that are more significant, most significant, his people. And there again we read, fear not, fear not. Just looking at these two passages just for a few minutes, we, we see that God orders everything 
down to the fall of a sparrow, down to the number of hairs on our head. And it's interesting that the Heidelberg Catechism doesn't exactly lift um, a, a verse from, uh, from uh, the scripture. In fact, you can't find in scripture that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. But my goodness, can you find the truth to that? You see, the Heidelberg Catechism brings to mind that those hairs on our head don't fall out apart from the will of God our Father. Now, where's the connection between sparrows and hair? Well, from the seemingly most insignificant of creatures to the seemingly most insignificant aspects of our bodies. I mean, think about it. We go to the doctor for any number of ailments of our body. We go to the dentist for ailments of our teeth, but our hair? I mean, we may go to the barber shop or the beauty shop, but God cares and takes care of us down to the physical level of our hair. From the lesser, our hair, to the greater, our very lives. If this is how God cares for the sparrow, if this is how God cares to the extent that he numbers the hairs on our head, how much more God is saying, do I care for you? And if you want to explore this more, go to the Sermon on the Mount and see Jesus's wonderful descriptions of lilies and, and birds in the air and how your father feeds and clothes and cares for his people. Fear not. You know, in both of those passages was the command, fear not. But you and I know that when we are on the receiving end of that command, when someone tells us to not be afraid, when someone tells us do not fear, you know how hard it is to, to just instantaneously not be afraid. You know how hard it is to, to make fear, as it were, go away. But look what Jesus has done. It's not just the command fear not. It's the reason. You see, Jesus is pointing us to his heaven, to our heavenly father and his care. You know, do not fear, do not be afraid, fear not is the most frequent command God gives in scripture. But think with me about this. Imagine you take a small child, whether your own or of friends, and you're walking with that child into the woods. It's a beautiful day. Uh, you're going on a nature walk. And as you go from the, um, on the path, from the field, as it were, into the woods, the child starts crying and shaking and scared. And you reassure that child. You say, I am bigger than you. I will take care of you. There is nothing to be afraid of. And yet, what does that little child do? Oh, cries all the more. My friends, this isn't rebellion. 
This is a child who doesn't know the father, a child who does not know the extent of the father's power and strength and love. When that little child says, when you tell that child, don't be afraid, and they cry all the more, we don't rebuke them. We hold them. And that's what Jesus is giving us a glimpse of the Father. He knows that life can make us afraid. And what does he do? He draws us close and holds us. See, Jesus here is instructing his people about the care that God the Father has for those who look to him, for those who trust him. But he also instructs people about himself and the care that he has for those who follow him. Nowhere is that more direct than when Jesus speaks about himself being the good shepherd. And so let's turn to John 10 and move from thinking about the hairs on our head and sparrows in the sky and the market to thinking about sheep and the shepherd. Hear these words from John chapter 10, beginning in verse 27, going through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's listen to the phrase again, the statement in the Heidelberg Catechism. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. See, in John 10, Jesus declares that he is the good shepherd, that he has intimate knowledge of his people. The shepherd knows the sheep and not only does he have knowledge, but he has a love, a sacrificial love for his people. Earlier in verse 14, Jesus says this, I know my own and my own know me. That knowledge is mutual. That knowledge is reciprocal. You see, God the Father takes us personally through the Son. Yeah, we've got to take it personally. That's what we've been saying. But you know what? We can only take it personally because he first took us personally. Listen to these words again of Jesus and, and listen to the pronouns. Kind of like what we've been doing with the Heidelberg Catechism. Listen to the pronouns. My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. You see, that's what's going on here. Um, he also watches over me. He also watches over me in such a way that I will not perish. Jesus is taking it personally. This is what he is going to do, and this is who we are. And at the end of that passage I read, it shows that the care of the Father and the care of the Son and the purposes of the Father and the purposes of the Son 
and the watching over of the Father and the watching over of the Son are one in the same. No one can snatch us out of Jesus' hands. No one can snatch us out of the Father's hands. My friends, we are here faced with the sovereignty and the providence of God. And yet on a personal level, you know, Scripture affirms clearly that God is sovereign. He is the ruler. It also affirms that man is responsible. You and I are responsible. We're not going to be let off the hook. The Bible clearly declares God's power and authority over all things. The nations are under God's control, as is nature. God is sovereign over Satan and evil spirits. We read in Scripture that God hardens hearts and even God sends trouble and calamity. God even puts to death. God sends pandemics, allows pandemics to happen. God does what he pleases and his purposes cannot be thwarted. God, as we read in Ephesians 1, works all things according to the counsel of his will. And yet, God's sovereignty is personal. There is personal providential protection and preservation. Interestingly, uh, the passages about sparrows and hare find their way into John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. And Calvin, in summarizing what we read in Matthew and Luke, says this, What else can we wish for ourselves if not even one hair can fall from our head without his will? My friends, God's sovereign control and God's providential control is for the purpose of our comfort, our security, our confidence in life and in death. And, and because of that providential care, that watching over, we can be patient when things go against us. And has not the news over the last few weeks and months been over and over again, something is going against us, my friends, because of God's watch care, watching over us, we can be patient. And yet, in the midst of this, there are things big and small that are happening that are good. And for that, we can be thankful. And as we look ahead, we can be confident knowing that the future, as is the past and the present, is in his hands, is, is under his watchful care. And oh, by the way, um, the catechism continues the answer. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. It, it's almost a throwaway line, isn't it? But it sums it up and holds it all together. It's glue and of course, this is coming from Romans chapter 8. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for our salvation. The payment for our sins, the being set free from uh, the power and the tyranny and the oppression of the devil and the watchful care 
all things are working together for our good, for our salvation. So, let me ask this question. Does being watched over bring comfort or fear? Does being watched over bring dread or relief? Well, our confession of sin was from, the introduction to that was from Hebrews chapter 4, which spoke about the work of God's word being living and active and exposing our hearts. In other words, the word of God and the spirit of God knows all of us intimately. And the God is watching over us closely. For those who are outside of Christ, I, I would say it's, it's uncomfortable, it's fearful, it's dread. Because the creature is in the presence of the creator. And scripture makes it clear there's an undoneness about it. But oh, my friends, for those who are in Christ, that being watched over doesn't bring fear, but comfort, doesn't bring dread, but relief, because you're being watched over by whom? The good shepherd who watches over and takes care of the sheep. You know, the Christian also just doesn't have to fear being watched over because God already knows us. He knows the depth of our disobedience, the depth of our rebellion, the depth of our arrogance, the depth of our sin, and yet he tells us to look to Christ. There is really no room for fear or dread as the believer contemplates being watched over by God. You see, our catechism is telling us God purchases and God preserves. He preserves what he purchases. He preserves who he purchases. Only in our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, are we given such an astonishing and ultimate purchase protection plan. My friends, there is no better plan available anywhere. I chose Psalm 146 as an Old Testament reading because it had the um, expression watched over, just like Psalm 127. But further study led me to one other psalm in particular. And as we end, I would like to read it. Uh, psalm 121. Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In other words, God watches 
over us. The Lord keeps, the Lord watches over those who belong to Jesus. My friends, our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, watches over us for his glory and for our good. My friends, find your safety and security. Find your ultimate comfort in life and in death in the sure and certain knowledge that Jesus watches over you. From now until the day when we will be in his presence fully and finally. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, thank you for, through your word, giving us a growing understanding of your love and care for us by helping us think about insignificant birds like sparrows and insignificant coins like pennies. You help us see the reality of the good news of your care for your most significant creation. Man, male and female, created and made in your image. Oh, Father, given the fact that not a single hair can fall from our head without your will, with that in mind, help us to entrust our entire lives into your hands. We thank you, Father, for our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.